It is, it is a privilege to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Jay. I am the senior high and young adult pastor, as Dale uh, said earlier today. And my wife and I, we've been here about five or six weeks now, and it has been absolutely wonderful. And so we just wanted to thank you. Before I get started with the sermon and the message today, on behalf of my wife and I, we just wanted to thank all of you um, for the wonderful, warm love and welcome and support that you have given us as we have entered into this new faith community um, traveling from Pennsylvania. This has quickly, the Cincinnati area has quickly become our home. Um, we are actually, we're moving tomorrow is when we are moving to our apartment in Cincinnati um, in Westchester. So we are very excited to, to get moved in and I guess um, officially, officially call this our home. We spent the last couple days uh, painting our apartment and getting it ready for our move in. Um, but thank you so much. Thank you so much for the way that you've already loved us and supported us. And it has made all of this so much easier. And we are excited to be here with you today. So today we'll conclude our series on DNA. We've been through about a seven-week journey so far. This, I think, is the eighth week of our series of the building blocks of who we are. The, I guess you could say, the DNA strands of who we are, the pillars of Westchester Nass. Within a year's worth of sermons, you hear a lot of sermons, a lot of different topics, a lot of sermon series covering a variety of different areas, right? All of these sermons, all of these sermon series, they have different aims, they have different goals, they have different objectives that they are attempting to achieve. Um, some examples of some that we've traveled through in Westchester, at Westchester Naz is uh, grace and truth. We worked through the roots of who we are by talking through Rooted, and then Unbalanced was another example of some series that we have gone through with as Westchester. And, and something that I believe that Westchester is, is all about within our DNA is that we don't want to be, you know, we could get up here and talk about the extravagance of God's love probably every week, right? Um, but similar to a liberal arts education, we want to be well-rounded, in our spiritual walk. We want to be well-rounded as Christian disciples. And so each of these sermons, each of these sermon series, hopefully hit a different target. Sometimes you hear a sermon and it hits you right in the heart, right? Sometimes you, you listen to a sermon and it was the reminder that you needed. Sometimes you are challenged to go and, and completely change your life. Other times you might be influenced and, and challenged to, to pray. Some sermons gently nudge us in the right direction, and some of us hit us right in the gut. But each one with a different message, each one with a different aim, and this sermon series is no different on DNA, the building blocks of who we are. So as we conclude this series, I don't think it's too late to remind all of us today what the aim is and what we are hoping for. DNA makes up who we are. It's what gives somebody brown hair and somebody blonde hair. DNA gives somebody green eyes and somebody brown eyes. And these DNA, these building blocks, these pillars were not created so that our Westchester staff has nifty language and eight bullet points to regurgitate to those who ask us what our church does. No, this DNA is who we are. This DNA is what we are about. And so we... Something I was thinking about, we shouldn't have to convince people who we are, right? We shouldn't have to persuade somebody, say, no, 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 I know you see this, but, but really I'm all about this. 
And so we shouldn't have to convince people that if we think people matter, that if we value people, we shouldn't have to convince them of that. It should be shown if that's who we are. We shouldn't have to convince others that we're in the business of restoration if that's who we are. We shouldn't have to convince people that God's word matters if that's what we are about. Because DNA is who we are. And so the final strand of DNA today could be considered the cherry on top. It could be considered the exclamation point at the end of this sentence. Today we're gonna dissect what it means as followers of Jesus to reach out to others. Maybe, maybe you are sitting in church today, you are filling one of these seats because somebody reached out to you. Maybe your kids are in church today all because a few years ago somebody decided to reach out to you. Maybe your grandkids are in church today, maybe your great-grandkids are in church today all because somebody reached out to you. Something that I have found to be true is that at least one person, at least one person, usually more, usually it's a family, usually there's multiple people involved, but at least one person is always involved in bringing us to Jesus. I like to say it this way. Every personal redemption story is a communal redemption story. It might not have been somebody directly, directly leading you to Jesus or walking you through the sinner's prayer or even directly inviting you to church, but it may have been an encouraging comment that you just needed to hear. It may have been your mom, your dad, a friend on their knees praying, crying out to God for you to find the love of Jesus. It may have been that conversation over coffee where you were least expecting it, but it, during that conversation, your life took a new direction when you found a new hope and a new way that involved Jesus Christ. I believe that every personal redemption story is a communal redemption story. So let's test this theory. Raise your hand for me if, that, if you are in church today, if you know Jesus today, because of the influence of at least one other person. Can you guys raise your hand for me if you are here today because of the influence of at least one other person? That's wonderful. Every personal redemption story is a communal redemption story in some way. And if that statement is true, and I believe that it is, then how we respond to today's word, how we respond to today's message, will not only change us, but I believe that it will reshape those around us as well. So I have two hopes, two hopes for today. My first hope is that we would take a look at and that we would be reminded of one of the most fundamental Christian callings um, within the entirety of our faith, and that is reaching out. My second hope for today is that while reflecting upon this commonly understood commandment that we, the way that we would walk about would be with new eyes, new insights, and a refreshed spirit in the way that we go about reaching others. So hope number one, I want us to be reminded today, and hope number two, I want us to be refreshed. Have you ever been 
blown away by God? Have you ever been paralyzed, stunned, overwhelmed, blown away by God? Whether it was through a missions trip, whether it was through hearing news from the doctor, whether it was through encouragement, have you ever been just utterly blown away by something that God did in your life? I was a freshman in college at Mount Vernon Nazarene University. We were about six weeks into my first semester of college. So this whole transition, it was a new thing. I was loving college. College was the best four years of school, at least, of my life. It was wonderful, and I had a great experience at Mount Vernon. But first six weeks into my freshman year in college, there's other things that very easily and quickly take priority in your life, like building relationships and friendships, playing sports, playing video games, not doing homework. Very, a lot of things take priority. Um, but in the first six weeks of my freshman year at Mount Vernon, one thing that was definitely not a priority, even as a pastor and ministry major, was my devotional life, my relationship with Jesus, just other things I quickly grabbed onto, you could say. Um, not in total rejection of who God was, but simply as just this transition in life, I shifted a, a little bit different direction in what I showed that I valued. I was in a intro to spiritual journey class. All ministry majors were required to take this class, and Mount Vernon's hope and aim within this was to show that if we we're gonna be ministering to others, and even through this four-year journey of college, that our spiritual disciplines matter. That the various practices and ways that we are growing in our relationship with Christ, they matter, and they need to be built upon Early on, so freshman year, we were in this intro to spiritual journey class where each week we were focusing on a different spiritual journey. So as we're going through week by week, I was kind of moseying along with these disciplines and filling out what was required and necessary in order to turn into the teacher and um, I was getting okayed grades on them, so I said, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing, right? Well, it was Wednesday morning, and the teacher walks into class, and she says something I wasn't expecting to hear, and she kind of lays out for us that she can recognize that most of the class is taking the same tactic that I am, and that is we're just kind of brushing along, that this class is easy, that we don't really need to take it very seriously, and she calls us out on it. And I, I felt that conviction, and I knew that's what I was doing, and so I, I revisited my practices. I revisited these disciplines, and it was Wednesday night, and I'm setting my alarm. I have health and fitness class on Thursday morning, the next day at 9, 10 a.m., and so I said, okay, I'm going to set my alarm for 7.30 so I can get up, that I can wake up, and I can make God a priority to start my day. I, I'm just, I'm just going to try it. I know that I need to do it, so I, I want to have some devotions with God, just kind of bare minimum, as simple as it gets. So I said, 15 minutes is what I'll give you, God. Um, I wake up. My alarm goes off at 7.30. I only hit snooze like 15 times, which is really good. And I get out of bed, and it's about 8 o'clock, and I'm sitting down, and I'm starting to do my devotion. So it's a good start, right? I'm actually out of bed. I'm intentionally seeking Jesus. And 15 minutes is what I'm going to give him. So I start. I open the Bible. I don't know where. I don't recall where I opened to, but I opened it, and I start reading. Um, and I say, oh, that's great, you know, thank you, Jesus, for that word. Uh, and then I close my Bible, and I bow my head, and I pray. 
Um, Lord, thank you for this day. Thanks for helping me get out. I, I, I'm not sure what I said. I start to pray. And then I open my journal, and I start to journal a little bit, just uh, practicing these things we've learned in class. And as I'm journaling, I start to get this feeling. And I'm writing down what I'm thankful for. I'm writing down maybe some confessions. I'm writing down kind of where I'm at, and then I turn the page, and I keep writing down kind of what's going on, and I turn the page, and I just keep writing down these things that are just now flowing through me and just pouring out of me, and I keep writing, and I keep writing, and I, then I go, I'm reminded of something, and God points me to, to a verse in, in, in his word, and I start to read, and then I, I find, but before I know it, I find myself on my knees. I find myself crying out to God, completely blown away, all because of a small devotional time that I felt obligated to do. I felt completely and utterly blown away. So I look up, and I write my final amen. I say my final amen because, you know, I've got to get to class. My class starts at 9.10. I started devotions at 8. I look up, it's 9.20, and I say, oh, my word. And, and, and for a second, actually, as I grab my things and I toss them into my backpack as I'm sprinting through Oakwood Hall and Mount Vernon, the guy's dorm, I, I'm almost kind of frustrated with God because I say, God, I... I wake up and I, I obviously wanted and intended to get to class on time, and I'm going to be late to class now. And, and even though we go to a Christian school, I couldn't necessarily walk into the classroom and say, sorry, sorry, professor, I was uh, doing my devotions. <laughs> I'm late. Or I was, just, I, was, have a, I was super spiritual today, and that's why I'm late to class. I, you need to be on class on time. And so I was a little frustrated about that, that just that that caused me to be late. And so as I sprint through Oakwood Hallway and I bust open the lobby door, I, I'm sprinting and I catch in my peripheral two guys playing ping pong. Now ping pong is very popular in Oakwood Hall, but it is 9.20 a.m. Nobody plays ping pong that early. And so I kind of stop and I, I take a double take and I recognize the two guys. Those two guys are actually in my health and fitness class. And I said, guys, what are you doing? Like, we, we have class, we've got to get ready. And they said, well, well, didn't you see the email this morning? I said, nope, I was doing devotions. Um, and so they remind me, class was canceled. Our professor sent an email that morning at like 8.40 in the morning, just before class, that class was canceled because of something came up. And so I kind of looked at them for a minute, and I walked back to my, my room. I sit down, I kind of look at the wall. I said, God... If devotions with you can get class canceled, then I'm all in. <laughs> now that rhythm didn't pan out the, that way the rest of the year. Devotions didn't equal class getting canceled. Um, but even in that little scenario, I found God's faithfulness and power to be very evident in that time with him. Many of you have similar stories like that, a moment in your life when you are completely blown away by God. Maybe when someone that you weren't expecting asked you for forgiveness. Um, maybe when somebody came up to you when you least expected it and forgave you. Maybe when you received an encouraging card or heard unbelievable news from the doctor or maybe in a small devotional when you least expected it. 
God brought you to your knees in total surrender. And God has never stopped showing up in these amazing and incredible ways. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning of time, creation of the world, God does just that. We, God's creation, we find ourselves blown away by the creation of all things. So let's take a, a quick look. We can call it a Spark Notes version of Genesis chapter 1. So Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to read very specific verses as we work through this together. And so if you're confused as you're looking in your Bible, I'm jumping verses here, so it might help you best to follow along on the screen. So Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Ruach of God was hovering over the water. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from water. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. Then God said, let land produce vegetation. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate day from the night. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image in our likeness. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So this is the spark notes of Genesis chapter one, the creation narrative. And even at a quick glance, we can catch a little bit as to what is going on, and maybe you're familiar, familiar with it. If, you, if you're not, I apologize. I, I definitely jumped through some verses there. But something that hopefully you caught within that, in that reading of chapter, Genesis chapter one, is that God speaks, and through God speaking, creation is given life. God speaks and we have light. God speaks and we have vegetation. God speaks and humankind is given life. You also might have noticed, uh, a, we'll just call it a weird word in there, in the second verse in particular. And that unrecognizable word is one of my favorite Hebrew words of all time, the word ruach. So for your Hebrew lesson today, ruach literally means... Spirit, breath, and wind. That's the derivative of the Hebrew word ruach. So let's plug that back in in English now. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. It now says, and the spirit or the breath or the wind of God was hovering over the water. So before God speaks Anything into existence, this verse shows up, right? God's spirit, God's breath is hovering over this place waiting to be formed. Now, I need your imaginations here. Imagine this with me. As God's spirit, as God's breath is hovering, waiting to be used and waiting to be formed, God inhales, and then God exhales, speaking and breathing life 
ruaking, we'll turn it into a verb, into existence, creation into existence. And so with each wonder of creation, with all of the things that we went through that God said, God said, God said, God breathes in and God breathes out. And we are very specifically shown that these things only through God's breath are given life, things are given meaning, and things are created. Humankind, we were created through God's inhale, then exhale into existence. It is through God's breath that we are given life. Job 33 verse 4 says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. It is through God's breath that we are given life. But, it is, but here, here, here's the point I, I don't want you to miss. Here's the point I don't want you to miss. God breathing out. God exhaling. God exhaling us into existence is also, is also an exhale into the world. To go out into the world. We are sent into the world. Genesis 1.28 says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. When God breathed us into existence, God created us in God's image. As image bearers, we are an extension of God's ruach. We are an extension of God's breath in the world. We being exhaled into existence are commissioned, are sent, are exhaled to go and breathe life to those around us. Matthew 18, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Maybe the verse that, or the passage that rings the bell most closely when we think of reaching out, when we think of our commission. In fact, this passage is the Great Commission. And Jesus says these words. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, maybe you've never looked at this passage with this Genesis lens before, but Jesus who invites, Jesus who calls all of us to go and make disciples is simply extending the commission in Genesis, extending and repeating our calling from the very beginning of time. The call to go and make disciples or the call to go and be an extension of God's good work, of God's good life-creating breath in the world. And I, under, I understand that this lens, that this perspective that even taking a look at this scripture doesn't suddenly incline us, maybe. It doesn't suddenly give us these tangible outlines and ways that we can go and reach out, that we can go and be and live out this final strand of DNA that Westchester is all about. But I want to help you with that. 
I want to look at four, we'll call them action steps, by focusing on what does it mean to breathe life? What does it mean to reach out to those around us? So I've got four action steps for you today. So if you're taking notes, you can go one through four, and there's four things that I want to give to you today. Point number one, to reach out, to breathe life into God's creation maybe, maybe literally means to speak life into somebody else's world. To reach out means to speak life into somebody else's world. Proverbs 18.21 says, words kill and words give life. What side of that equation are you on? When we are reaching out to people, we need to start with making sure that our words are on the right side of that equation. Is what we are saying speaking life into people's worlds? Something that we ask little kids that maybe we need to ask ourselves is, is what you're saying hurting or helping? Is what you're saying hurting or helping? Uh, because with our words, we have the opportunity to breathe life, to speak life into other people's world. Point number two, to reach out is to find and meet someone else's needs. To reach out is to find and meet someone else's needs. Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40 says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you see sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. God's threads, 99 for the one, the various food ministries and pantries and even what Dale talked about today with our opportunity to give. Um, these are ministries already going on here at Westchester that are opportunities where we see the need and to go and meet it. These are real, tangible ways that we can reach out to get involved in these ministries of what's going on or to take a look around you and say, what's the need? Um, don't wait for it to come to you Find the need and meet the need. So our third point, our third action step in reaching out. To reach out is to offer a listening ear. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Do not undermine the influence of a listening ear. Do not undermine or underestimate the impact, the life transformation that can happen when we authentically give our time, when we authentically give our ear to hear how somebody's doing, to hear what's going on. Um, I, I think this, this might be the most underrated practice, the most underrated opportunity to speak life 
to breathe life into people. I, I personally believe that I, I have seen more light bulbs go off in people's brains and more life transformation happen, not because of all the great things I think they need to hear and that I say, or Facebook posts I need to post, right? Um, I think more life transformation I've seen comes when we start with listening. Um, and ironically, I think that it is through listening that the first two bullet points make a whole lot more sense. It is through allowing ourselves to listen to what's going on, to hear people out, that we then can speak life properly into them, that we can breathe life into them. It is through listening and reaching out in that capacity that we can then find and meet the need in somebody else's life and appropriately respond to you. So this could be point number one, but it's point number three. Um, and I think it is underrated and underestimated, um, but I encourage us to practice that. And our final action step for today, to reach out is to be a vessel of love to all people. Um, this is kind of maybe the blanket point that not only covers all of these first three action steps, but I, kind of weaves together every part of the DNA that we have talked about up to this point, to be a vessel of God's love to those around us. It doesn't get better than that, it doesn't get simpler, but it also doesn't get more complicated. That is everything that we need right there, to be a vessel of God's love to those around us. John 13, 35 says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Above all, to be an exhale of God's image is to, be an ex, is to be a vessel of God's love. God's love is what binds us together. It's what connects every strand. It is because of God's love, it is through God's love that we reach out. It is because of God's love that God inhaled and God exhaled and breathed us into existence. And that should be the cyclical thing that runs through us, that is because of God's love, it is through God's love that we then are breathing life into other people. There's two quotes I wanna end with as the, as the band comes back up to get ready for our final song. There's two quotes I wanna leave you with. One is often attributed to Mark Twain. And Mark Twain says this, he who carries a cat by the tail learns something he can learn in no other way. That's good advice. If today's message maybe stressed you out, um, because doing anything outside of our social boundary, it sounds terrifying. Uh, I want you to know I understand and that you are not alone. Maybe in the steps that we've given and the practices that we've laid out, if this terrifies you, if this maybe part of your relationship with Jesus is the thing that just gives you the goose pump, <laughs> goose pumps, the goose bumps, um, you're not alone. But I want to gently nudge all of you to something new. If you have life, if you have hope because of Jesus, please don't hide it. Please don't save it for yourself. Please don't let it be for you alone. I know it can be difficult, but sometimes the only way we learn is grabbing the cat by the tail. Go, go and encourage someone. 
Go and listen. Go and reach out by meeting the need in someone else's life. The final quote I want to conclude with today is from Eric Samuel Tim, who the teens had the privilege of hearing. He spoke at Regional Blast up at Mount Vernon a few weeks ago, and something he said stood out to me, and I wrote it in my notes, and he said this, write yourself into someone else's story. Don't sit around and wait for people to come to you, but go and write yourself into someone else's story. You have breath, you have life that is ready to be exhaled throughout creation. As God has breathed love, as God has breathed life, as God has breathed hope, as God has breathed grace, as God has breathed mercy into your life, Go and be an extension of God's life-giving breath into someone else's world. Grab the cat by the tail. Write yourself into someone else's story and be an extension of God's life and love to those around you because every personal redemption story is a communal redemption story. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for breathing life into us. Thank you for creating us through your love and through your breath and through sending us out into the world. Lord, help us to represent that. Help us to carry your breath. Help us to walk in your love. Help us to reach out. God, as we worship today, as we conclude by singing praises to you, I pray that you would gently nudge us in the right direction. God, that you would gently point us, that you would gently help us recognize the ways in which we can breathe life into the people around us. Help us to be those people. Help us to be that body. Help us to be that church in a community that is in need of the love of Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We praise you. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.